Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. again to the soundtrack to a life i am christopher monroe and with me is lucas lucas tell people about yourself <laughs> well i uh recently just got a, a job in my field of study at the drop-in center um so that's uh something i'm pretty proud about um i also dj part-time at night owl at the hump day house parties every wednesday if you're interested nice uh and lucas and i today are discussing apex twins 1996 album the richard d james album let me switch to my comedy old man voice for this, because I'd like to talk about how we acquired music previous to the internet. Oh, God. <laughs> Back in my day, music was a physical object that you had to travel to a geographical location and purchase with actual money. Like, every single time. There was no streaming. There was no YouTube. We went to a place and purchased a compact disc that contained an album worth of music. And then the amount of music we could listen to that day was dictated by the number of physical objects we were willing to carry around with us everywhere we went. This seems obvious, but we've abandoned the notion so completely that it feels somehow odd now that we ever did such a thing. There are so many options with regard to the consumption of music today that the notion that travel and expense were ever required seems somehow quaint. Yet, there it is. Music was purchased from a store and we discovered new artists in three ways, via the radio, through music magazines, or from mixtapes made for us by clued-in friends. I do still have a dozen or so mixtapes given to me by friends in high school and university, even though it's been conservatively a decade since I've had the technology to play them. I keep them for sentimental reasons. And on one of them, I want to say it was given to me by Leif, but I may be wrong, I discovered a girl-boy song by Aphex Twin. Now, I had basically no money during this period of my life, so for a long while I simply listened to that one song, rewound the tape, and listened to it again. It was weird and interesting and different from anything else I was listening to at the time. It was something I needed at the time without knowing that I did, and when I did eventually scrape together the cash to pick up a copy of the album, it was pretty much the only thing I listened to for the next month. Uh, electronic music isn't my go-to genre-wise, and when I do go to it, it's usually confined to either trip-hop or really fratty 90s big beat type things, like Prodigies and Fatboy Slims and Chemical Brothers. Nice. But Aphex Twin is doing something really interesting here uh, that I can't pin down specifically. But this record does a lot for me. I've bought it three times in my lifetime on cassette, CD, and iTunes. I'll probably get around to picking it up on vinyl eventually. It's not like I'll ever stop listening to it. So tell me, Lucas... You've now heard the Richard D. James album by Aphex Twin. I have. What do you think? So, my first ever experience with Aphex Twin was his song, uh, Come to Daddy. I watched the music video. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember the music video. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you've seen it, it, it's quite disturbing. But the, the music was good. Uh, <clears throat> I, really liked, uh, I really liked the track. But it uh, didn't quite prepare me for the Richard D. James album. I was expecting... Uh, Something a little more intense, a little crazier. Yeah, the difference was drastic um, while I was listening to it. It's uh, 
it kind of has this glitchy melodic techno kind of vibe to it and um I, I mean i granted i did have a hard time truly appreciating it at first it just uh it almost sounded like forced and a little too fast and it wasn't until my first uh playthrough that i found it recorded at 45 rpms or sorry not sorry not 45 33 rpms so after doing a little bit of digging i guess um Mr. Aphex Twin here, he presses all of his tracks onto the single vinyls, but he has to put them on at 45 RPMs so that they'll actually fit. And then once he has them on his decks, he slows them down. Um, so he even admits that, uh, that they sound a lot better at 33 RPMs. And I would have to agree. It like, I'm telling you, Chris, it, it actually turned into an entirely different album. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like it's, it, it's pretty insane. Actually. I don't know if the, the CU got, if you, if you know the, I mean, at that point, he could fit all of the information on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So I assume that it is, but now I want to get it on vinyl, and I want to play it up to speed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once it's, uh, yeah, once it's slowed down, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It just kind of, like, had, has this kind of grandness and, and majesty. Like, it didn't, didn't feel forced anymore. It just kind of, I don't know, stretching out just uh, made it, it made it beautiful, you know? It was... All the, the weird glitchiness kind of went away, and, and uh, yeah, I just I was able to appreciate a lot more. And, and I know you told me to listen to it three times, but <laughs> I listened to it many more times after that. Right on. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird record. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The tempo is almost from two different songs. Like the strings are playing one song, and then the beats underneath are applying themselves at a completely different rate. Yes which I think does a really effective job of sweeping you along through what would otherwise be a very mellow set of tunes in a way that I sure was available at the time, <laughs> but none of it was getting to me. Like this, this record was really revelatory to me. I was listening to mostly guitar-based music at the time that this came out in 1996, either American grunge bands or UK-based uh, Britpop bands mm -hmm. from that whole Blur Oasis period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this came very much out of left field to what I was listening to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even for me, I would have to agree with you. Yeah, he's a, he's a really singular artist. Like, he's mm -hmm. not somebody that you would expect. No, never. Uh, even I listen to electronic music and I'd never heard anything like it. Yeah. Like, quite frank. And you're right that this sounds really different than Come to Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with the rest of his catalog mm -hmm. uh, as I would probably should be. I have this one, and I have the follow-up to this one, Drugs, but with a K in the middle of the word Drugs. Of course. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. No. That would just sound bad. <laughs> um, but they were released five years apart. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm kind of getting a vibe that he releases a piece of music when he's ready mm. and then retreats into the Aphex Twin cave. <laughs> and he will emerge and give you a different piece of music when he's good and ready. Mm -hmm. And not one second before. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, how many previous albums he had, but uh, he's been around since the 80s. Like, yeah, like I had no idea. Like, <laughs> Yeah, doing a lot. Some, mm -hmm. like, Minimum two hour albums worth of really weird, really good music. Yes. <laughs> um, reading up on him in preparation for this, I'm given to understand that um, Selected Ambient Works, volumes one and two, are just enduring classics within the genre. 
never heard either of them. No. I should. Yeah. I like Aphex Twin, but I keep coming back to listening to this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see why, honestly. Like, yeah, like you were saying, doing some research before this, I did the same thing, and apparently it's called uh, Intelligent Dance Music. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, apparently better suited for home listening than for dancing to. And that really kind of opened my eyes as well, like, not just listening to it, but realizing that it's meant to listen at home and to enjoy and not so much for getting crunk to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I could not dance to this. No. <laughs> and I feel like the human being that could. <laughs> There's something wrong with them, I think. That, that or something is. very right. That's, fair. <laughs> <laughs> you give a Cirque du Soleil performer mm. the right cocktail of drugs. Yes. And you put this record mm -hmm. on and then watch them go berserk. I can see it now. Yeah, yeah. I can see it now. Oh, man, now I want to watch that Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's weird. It's, um, and I don't know why, but the idea of wedding electronic beats to basically a string quartet. Yeah, there's a lot of strings. For a lot of these, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the strings are um, all played live. Really? Apparently. I mean, like, played live and then sampled, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But they are real instruments, in a genre of music that does not require yeah, you to do that. It does not, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, all of the voices that you hear are actually Aphex Twin. Oh. Uh, recorded and then modulated. Okay. In various ways. Cool. And I think he may have, and this supports my theory that he's a hermit of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> who uh, emerges every five or six years mm -hmm. uh, with art for the world, like the intelligent dance music groundhog. <laughs> Comes out of his cave, yeah. hands you a record, sees his own shadow, yeah. runs back in, and there will be six more weeks of dubstep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Um, but yeah, like all of the, all of the things he has assembled on his own. Okay. It's like in his own studio. Yeah. Or... In his own studio mm -hmm. or, or just with a laptop. I mean, yeah. this isn't something that requires a lot of instruments and <laughs> a lot of it is sampled and reapplied at various, uh, points. And it came out at a time where I had not yet gotten into this style of music, but, and this might also be why this record stuck with me when I was about to. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of like segued you into the genre or what? I mean, this came out and I was obsessed with it. And then about two, a year, two years after this, The Prodigy released that one record that everyone in the world bought. <laughs> yes. And I had already liked them from uh, Music for the Jilted Generation. Okay. The record previous. Mm -hmm. And then Fatboy Slim and Chemical Brothers, and Crystal Method, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> which is like real douchey kind of frat boy versions of this style of music mm -hmm. started coming out. But yeah. I mean, there's the album that you want to listen to at home uh, with headphones on, yeah. uh, really appreciating it. Mm -hmm. And then there's the one that you want to put on at a party yeah. and say what you will about everything Fatboy Slim ever did. <laughs> Sounds real good at a party. I fucking love Fatboy <laughs> Fat <Boy> Slim. <laughs> yeah. He was a ton of fun. He was oh. a really consistently yeah. fun artist. He was in a... 
indie guitar band in the 80s, hey? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting turn. Yeah, he was in uh, he was in the House Martins with the dude who later went on to form Beautiful South, and they had like two or three UK hits, making music that goes jangle, 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 which conveniently music from the 80s that goes jangle, jangle, jangle. <laughs> is super inside my wheel, wheelhouse. Is that right? Yeah. And I checked <laughs> out, I checked out, I have a House Martin's Greatest Hits package. Okay. A, it sounds nothing like Fatboy Slim. <laughs> really? Literally could not sound less like it. <laughs> and B, uh, if you're wondering who the Bare Naked Ladies were listening to, previous to forming a band, definitely these guys. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird. It's a, it's a weird piece of connective tissue. <laughs> to a lot of other um, cultural touchstones oh. that you're aware of but did not know that they were connected. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's pretty all right. Mm. It's pretty all right. Now, I'm aware that if uh, if X Twin comes to your town, he's almost certainly DJing. Mm. But I do think that that's a shame. How come? I'd love to see this performed live. Oh. I wonder how he would do that. That's what I'm saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm like pretty sure that the answer is he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, just like the drums alone. Or I don't know if any human could drum those. You know. <laughs> yeah, or even like come in with drum beats and a string quartet. Mm. I guess maybe. Okay. Yeah, just like have some sort of like overlapping track and then do some sort of live aspect to it. Maybe. Yeah, it could be like <clears throat> what's that? What's that guy? He's got the huge fro, and he does all of his sets live, and he does just does like samples with his voice and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the mm, yeah, that's gonna kill me. I know, right? He does the shit fuck stack song. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the musical director of Comedy Bang Bang for a number of years. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, because he's also a stand up. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I like his stand up. He's funny. He's quite good. Yeah, he's hilarious and super talented. And his hair. Something about that hair. It's but, magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I feel like if Apex Twin were to do something similar. I would buy that. Yeah. Samples and loops and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been uh, making music professionally for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I imagine going out on the road is not a priority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably doesn't need to. <laughs> no, I would think not. I would mm. think not. Although, I mean, like. Did he ever like? How do you? Or... How do you? How much do you get paid for making music that sounds like this? I yeah, looked. It's not like you're. I looked it's... it up. Okay. This is his lowest charting album in the UK. Okay. Uh, it went to number sixty-two on the album charts. <laughs> okay. When it came out, because people are just terrible mm. at judging what's good. I don't know what true art is, right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, it managed to uh, make a bunch of the best albums of the year lists for a bunch of the music press by the end of the year but how much does a good artist who does not find a mass audience earn over the course of his lifetime hmm. yeah because I'm, I'm sure he doesn't get a whole bunch of royalties it's not like any songs are in commercials right <laughs> no that's a fact yeah nor should they be they are terrifying yeah <laughs> although i'm imagining that i'm not the only one to purchase this record or other records by him multiple times over multiple formats. Yeah, I must have probably some older fan base if he's been around since the 80s, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And the kind of fan base that would follow, follow him. him. Yeah. Like a lot of the music from 1996 that I was listening to in 1996, mm-hmm. when the format of how music was consumed changed, got left behind a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I, I liked this record, but 
I don't have to buy it a second time. Yeah. I'll just listen to it on cassettes until cassettes definitely no longer ever going to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's time for me and this band to gently part ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, band. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Aphex Twin, there's enough going on to unpack mm-hmm. that you can revisit, as you have. Yeah. Um, definitely revisited. It again and again. Yeah. Yeah. The slower one, though. 33 revolutions per minute. It's just, I just, yeah, blew me away. Because I, I just never, yeah, never listened to anything like that. And it just, it was beautiful almost, you know? Just, like, I was like, oh, I'll just, like, listen to it and, like, do other things just, like, on my computer or whatever. But I couldn't help but just, like, sit there and just take it all in. Yeah, it's really immersive. Like, mm-hmm. you are having an experience. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, with this record uh, as you listen to it. It is... And this is, I guess, another side effect of how long he takes to make sure that everything is the way that he wants it. Because everything is to a purpose. Yes. Every detail is accounted for. He hasn't performed this music so much as assembled it. Yeah, I agree. And everything is there with a singularity of purpose Mm -hmm. that you don't get when you throw five dudes with instruments (laughs) into a studio Mm -hmm. and then ask them to go to town. You get a lot out of that, too. But you don't get every second of this is something that I need to pay attention for because it's there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's not uh, one of those albums where you can just kind of, like, have a favorite track. You know, you either listen to the whole freaking thing or you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is something that happens uh, more rarely now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree. I don't think that an artist like this could make a record like this and have it find an audience today. With the number of people who are consuming music track by track via streaming service or um, hearing it played at a club. Yeah, it's definitely more tr- uh, track focused now. <clears throat> Even myself, you know, like I don't really download albums. I, well, cause I, partially because I DJ, but also because, you know, I don't want all of the one artist's music because not all of it's good. You yeah. Know? So you kind of have to be picky and choosy about which songs you want. Whereas, you know, like we are saying, this album just the whole thing. It's, yeah. all, it's all gold. This is one piece of music. This mm-hmm. is 45 minutes that you need to take in in the way that the person who made it intends it to be. Yeah, I would agree. It's a journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it asks something of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I wouldn't have enough patience to like sit there and listen to an entire album. But yeah, it just it drew me right in, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. Right on. Right on. And yet, not a thing that could be performed live. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, and then, to, oh man, if I had a string quartet. <laughs> I'll try it. I'll, I'll try it with you. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Do we play stringed instruments? Uh, uh, Here's our excuse I, to learn. You used to play bass. All right, solid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, two years after this, when I started getting into... Uh, hey guys, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to enjoy an interesting cocktail of drugs in the Jackson Warehouse until 5 in the morning. <laughs> well, I have yet to destroy my uh, youth and my health. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like an excellent way to yeah. do so. And it was... Worth it, though. 1,000%. Yeah, it was. It is 
Life is too short mm. to regret stupid shit that you did in your 20s. If you're in your early 20s listening to this at home, go and dance at a warehouse until 5 in the morning. Tell someone that you've never met that you love them, and then do not give them a ride home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've had that exact night, haven't you? Well, <laughs> <clears throat> just less, uh, less warehouses. I think by the time I was really getting into electronic music and old enough to actually go to a rave just in clubs and stuff I remember Vancouver had some warehouse parties but uh, I just remember being a kid and driving in to the city and like seeing just the lights and the <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah by the time I was old enough they were just empty warehouses oh, so the city's no fun man yeah. what happened to us we used to be cool right warehouse parties come on get it together town honestly <laughs> although now nightclubs play that kind of music it's true that's a pretty decent trade off it's true it's true with some quality quality speakers yeah, there's a few good spots here in uh, Calgary. Where? Well, like I said, Night Owl. Uh, also, I really enjoy Habitat. Um, it's on, I'll say, 4th, or is it 2nd? I'm trying to remember. Anyways, it's just on the street from uh, from Night Owl. Uh, they had Disco After Dark the other night, and uh, I don't know if you like disco. Disco's fine. Hey, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like future disco house music. Anyways. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of like all the places that I go are pretty small, intimate venues. Just like good crowd, yeah, I love the people. Everyone's hugging constantly. So I guess it'd be similar to a warehouse, just not as big, I suppose. It's probably the same kind of people that go there. Almost certainly. Yeah. Where else? Cafe Koi actually has some fun stuff going on. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to my first uh, show there not too long ago. A friend of mine, his name's Ben, he was spinning there, and uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't get uh, a coffee or anything, but. Uh, Spots. Buy drinks at the place you go to dance. <laughs> I, well, they, they serve beer there, there, so it's, solid. Yeah, that worked. We're also a hi-fi, definitely. That's uh, probably my. I wouldn't say my favorite spot, just because uh, it gets really packed in there, and there's only so much bumping into people that I like to do. I got really long arms, so. No, I'm the same way. Long yeah. arms, no spatial awareness. Right. <laughs> Please don't stand behind me. Yeah. I'll feel bad when I elbow you in the face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, or like, are the people that just uh, stand too close in front of you when they clearly have room in front of them? I find the best approach to uh, ward them off is to just rest my hands on their shoulder blades. People love that. Oh man, <laughs> so invasive. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Man. I guess. I guess. Yeah, I want to dance, and you're in my way, so. Yeah, you have music playing that you like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you need to interact with it. Right. That's why you've gone out in public. Yeah, but yeah, I think I feel like if they were dancing, maybe I wouldn't mind so much. But it's yeah. the people that just stand there. They're in the middle of the crowd, and they stand there, not even bobbing their head. Just you're on around. the dance floor of a nightclub. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, go find a table. Thank you. <laughs> Stand by the bar. Something. Yes. There's people here who are trying to enjoy the music by wiggling our butts around. That is exactly correct. Yeah. I have limbs that need flailing. <laughs> yes. In a way that only loosely pertains <laughs> to the music that's being played. Yeah. I'm a thousand years old, by the way, because I recognized like two of those clubs. <laughs> I do keep meaning to go to Night Owl. Mm. Yeah, you should uh, come. I really should. Yeah. You spin there on Wednesdays? Well, uh, every, every once in a while, yeah. yeah? Uh, my next official uh, set will be on November 8th. Nice. Yeah, so save the date. Mental note. Yeah, I, um, I've got the headlining spot, which is pretty exciting. Do you? Yeah. What time is that of um, the day? 
Oh, that'll be at 11.45. So I will no longer be at work going, God damn it, I wish that I could be at the place where Lucas is spinning? Exactly. Solid. That is 100% what has happened the last couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it was at like 1 o'clock and that's really late. Really? Um, yeah. Which time was that? I could have definitely gone to that if oh, I had known. Oh, shucks. Um, that would have been, I think that was my first set. Yeah, it must have been my first set. Well, I missed it because yeah. I'm a bad friend. No. <laughs> I didn't come visit you in the hospital, so I think we're even. That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Except, here's the major difference. <laughs> Unlike visiting me in the hospital, watching you spin at a nightclub would be fun. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, you missed out on something that is objectively a pretty, like, shitty experience mm, to have mm, yeah whereas i missed out on something i would have enjoyed anyway yeah. <laughs> and i'm supporting one of my friends yeah. <laughs> well i'm still sorry how about that <laughs> cool uh so november 8th is your next one yes sir people at home you will not have the opportunity to go to this show it's unfortunate uh, it's november of last year by the time you're listening to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys but i will catch you awesome. uh, on my way either to or from nanorimo Okay. Because I will be halfway through a book by the time that point in November comes around, I hope. I hope so, too. Yeah, it'll be good. I do it every year. Yeah, that's right. Note for the people at home. I do National Novel Writing Month every November. We read a 50,000-word book uh, in 30 days. I will leave links in the show notes if you want to take part. It's pretty fun. And also cuts down on my nightlife a little bit. Because <laughs> when I do go to something, I have to remain sober in order to go home to write. Yeah. <laughs> You're not just going like Ernest Hemingway? Or? Mm, I should. Well? I probably won't. No. I don't write very well while I drink. No, that's why you edit when you're sober. That's uh, the whole point. <laughs> but then when I'm sober, I have to read the garbage that I wrote <laughs> while I'm drunk. Okay, all right. I guess it doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway must have been a one-off. Dude, didn't work for Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Didn't that dude kill himself? Did he? Yes. Oh my god. I... <laughs> Don't take life advice from him. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say right now, I actually don't know much about Ernest Hemingway. Other than my mother always used to say, right drunk. Right drunk, <clears throat> edit sober. sober yes. It's a good line. Uh, the saddest six-word story mm. was pretty good. Uh, have you heard that? I honestly have never read any oh, of his work. Um, somebody challenged him to write an emotionally moving story in six words. Seriously? And he came back with, for sale, baby shoes. Oh. Never worn. Oh my god. Right? <laughs> six words of heartbreak. Yeah. What? I'm not saying Ernest Hemingway wasn't a real good writer. Mm. I'm just saying he apparently was kind of a train wreck behind the scenes. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> Probably why he was drunk all the time. Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good. He's got like a short, choppy prose style. Okay. Like really short, simple sentences. Very punchy. Interesting. Yeah. Very no frills. Punchy. I'm trying to imagine writing that is punchy. I mean, unless it's talking about punching. No, it's all. It's all like <laughs> literally just like very short, very blunt sentences. Hmm. Uh, I went down to the water. I got into the boat. I pushed the boat off. It carried me to sea. That kind of thing. Like, not... Yeah. Like, there's no languidity to it. Okay. It's very plain spoken. Hmm. Yeah. For the layman. Yes. <laughs> I might have to figure out one of his words. It's a story about a man and a fish, but also it's about life. <laughs> <laughs>
say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanna. Um, this is something I'll never do because I don't have time in my life mm-hmm. to pursue a joke this dumb. But just go through all of the classic works of literature, and then every single story that is about a man and a fish, <laughs> but it's also about life. Because <laughs> I realized as I was saying it, that also describes Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently a man and a fish is a pretty decent metaphor for it. <laughs> if it's the 1890 to 1950 kind of area. That's right. I guess they're running out of ideas. Or they just really like fish? They, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something was going on. Did people fish more often? Maybe. During that period of time? Before, like, you know, color TV and stuff? Well, we do. We will fish. We will fish. We will fish and we will drink. <laughs> Talk about life. This will be our greatest hour, unless it takes longer than an hour. Yeah, I don't know how long people go fishing for. I feel like just all day. Yeah? I feel like. Like, you put a case of beer into a boat. Have you never been? A few times. Yeah, you put a case of beer into a boat, and then you go to a place, and then you cast lines, and then you um, boat back drunk. <laughs> that can't be safe. <laughs> it's, it's not, but, you know, it was the, it was the 90s, and uh, we weren't behaving safely at the time. Twenty uh, blah year old me was pretty convinced that he would never die. <laughs> Ever. And so far that has been true. <laughs> Suck it, <laughs> <more> Tony! <laughs> 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 to the best of my knowledge, I am immortal. Mm. You know, I really hope you are, Chris. Right? Yeah. I really hope I'm not. Oh, that actually. Yeah. I've heard being immortal would actually suck a lot. I feel like it would. Yeah. Like, even if eternal life comes with eternal youth, mm. which doesn't necessarily, you might continue getting old this whole time. <laughs> you got to watch everyone you love die. Yeah. Every 80 years or so. Yeah. That's got to wear on you. Oh, for sure. Like, what if you get stuck? Yeah, what if you fall and get pinned <laughs> under a rock like yeah, James like a, Franco in that one movie that one time? <laughs> like a crevasse, a deep crevasse? Yeah. And you just gotta wait till like alien civilizations come and find yeah. your immortal ass? I mean, like, yes. would erosion take care of the rock over the course of 100,000 years? Oh, well, you know what? Or like a good earthquake or something might shake you loose? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Suck it more time! <laughs> yeah! No, this would be a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, also, I hear um, <clears throat> as you get older, your perception of time, I guess, would either increase or decrease. It makes it uh, kind of go faster. Your brain goes into autopilot, and that increases with age. So if you're immortal, oh, man. those 80 years, yeah. you watch people die. Just, you know? Yeah, but then you're not like getting attached to anyone. Well, and then That's that also sucks. Not a great way to live. No. I've spent time doing that. Yeah. It wasn't great. No. <laughs> So that's why you know, the, the blue guy from The Watchmen was such a prick all the time, you know? Right? <laughs> you can't understand everything. Right. <laughs> approximate knowledge in all things, you know? No. <laughs> then none of it matters. Yeah. Oh, Watchmen, when will you learn? Never know. I don't know. Was he The Watchmen? Like the movie. No, I mean, like, was the blue guy the Watchmen? Oh, the, I'm aware that he was oh, Dr. Manhattan, but also, Dr. Manhattan, but also he name. built actual watches, yeah. which felt a little on the nose. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't mean anything, but yeah. like, you can see here, I uh, about Alan, Alan Moore overwrote The Watchmen, 
So every time a detail exists, mm. I'm aware that it was like a religious metaphor. If you find a watch, do you... <laughs> really? But yeah, if you find a watch in the sand, do you believe that it occurred naturally or was there at some point a watchmaker? The universe is infinitely more complex than a watch. Therefore, do you believe that it occurred naturally or was there a watchmaker? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I forget whose it was. It was... Uh, Quite the analogy. Some theological philosopher or other. I took a comparative religions class. Really? In university. Yeah, it's interesting. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I took Western religion and we studied Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Okay, but from like a non-biased kind of... Yeah, from like a non-theological, like just here's... The nuts and bolts of each religion, how they're similar to each other and how they're different from each other. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Because, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, religion's all fine and dandy, you know, but once you start, like, killing people because of it, that's when I kind of start to lose interest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there are very few things that you should kill people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I feel like the list probably, like, like, one page of things you would... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you can open with, uh, they were coming at me with a knife. Yeah. That's self-defense. <laughs> that's a good reason. That's pretty direct. Yeah. Um, anything that involves a hostage, mm. you're probably doing okay. Yeah. Uh, I disagree on a uh, fine point of moral philosophy. Probably not. Yeah, no. <laughs> The soundtrack to a life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Listening to records from the 90s and debating the validity of various faiths. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I came here, Chris. I thought this is what this was about. <laughs> it obviously is. Yeah. Because all of this, staying in. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we're coming to about that time. Okay. Um, I do tend to close out the show with uh, three questions. Mm -hmm. uh, you have listened to this a bunch of times in yes. preparation to record this. For sure. uh, now that the episode is recorded, okay. uh, will you be listening to the Richard D. James album further going forward? Oh, definitely. This is going to be one of those albums that I'm like, you have to listen to this. If you appreciate music in all of its various forms, I feel like anyone, like once they sit down and actually listen to it, will appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, like I can't, I try, you know, I actually tried to show someone this album, but. I kind of like picked up where I had left off, right in the middle, and not the same. Not the same, right? So definitely going to be uh, recommending this highly, and already am, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Right on. I'm glad I picked a good one. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Um, second, will you be exploring uh, Apex Twins catalog further? I feel like I might have to, you know, especially after realizing that there was more than just come to daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious to see what the rest of his work is like. Yeah. Um, drugs sounds. Very different, really, uh, from this. Okay, he really comes at music. I mean, I only know I only have two data points, but it really feels like he comes at music from a different, very different angle. Mm -hmm. uh, with every release, which is always interesting because then yeah. you never know what to expect. Yeah, it's nice, right? And you're like, you're not just going to be listening to it, you know, if you never, if you didn't know it was Aphex Twin, you'd be like, hmm, this sounds like Aphex Twin, you know? I feel like all of his music has its own. Its own character. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and finally, having uh, spent forty minutes talking about how this is not uh, an album that can be consumed track by track, yeah. Uh, fruitfully. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to pick one track okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to play us out on for uh, the end of the show, uh, which one would you pick? 
um, it would be the track called Four. Ah, uh, the first, yeah, the first track on the album, yeah. which was named Four. <laughs> Strange, right? For whatever reason. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna. Awesome. This has, been, uh, this has been the soundtrack to a life. I have been Chris. Uh, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at SoundtrackCast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, rate and review us if you so choose. Like and share us with whomever mm, you want. Sit down and listen to an Aphex Twin album on really good headphones. Uh, Lucas, anything you want to push on your way out? Any online presence that you uh, have to scare up people to come to your shows? Well, if uh, you know you're on Facebook, I would um, check out J9 Productions. Maybe like Night Owl on uh, Facebook. Uh, Humpty House Party has a Facebook page as well. I highly encourage if you are in the Calgary area to come check it out. It's a great night. Nice. And this has been the soundtrack to a life. Come back in two weeks where Lucas will be here with me again. Uh, we will be discussing uh, guitarier music. <laughs> Talk to you then. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chris. No worries. Thank you.